because if it's something that you really want to do, if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's just who you are and you just want to do it, what others perceive as failure is just a moment of oops. Welcome to Affected By, a weekly podcast that explores the way COVID-19 is affecting our professional lives, how we cope, pivot, and make it work at work. I'm Tamara. And I'm Pavel. And we are live event producers who, like millions of others in our industry, have been impacted by the current pandemic. So we decided to make the most of our downtime and talk to people from different industries to find out how they are transforming their work experience, finding inspiration, and figuring out how to keep working and stay sane in the process. And we are back for our last episode this year. It is the last week in December, and it's uh, traditionally the time for year-end lists, best songs, worst movies, top stories, but uh, we're not going to do any of this. (laughs) Instead, uh, Tamara, tell us what we're going to do today. Okay, so in addition to saying goodbye to 2020, (laughs) we're going to get a little bit of career advice from our guests and talk about how you can apply that advice to your own job and your own life. And then we'll talk about what's coming up for 2021. And at the very, very end, I am going to share some of my very favorite podcasts to help you have a better year at work and beyond. Before we go into this episode, I want to point out that obviously, like, this project for us was all about finding inspiration, keeping, you know, keep going, making it work and, and keeping it upbeat and positive. But that doesn't mean that we aren't aware of what is going on in the world and, and the tragedy and loss that people are experiencing. It's just not something that we prioritize in this podcast. It's been a hard year, we know, for many of you, and it has been a hard year for us as well. But uh, we are here to talk about what was good. And um, if you like our mission and and you like what we're doing so far, uh, remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts to subscribe to us, uh, refer a friend. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> or two. Uh, or two, or, or all of your friends. Um, and if you want to engage with us, uh, you can do that on Twitter and Instagram at AffectedByPod or via email at, effect- at AffectedByPod at gmail.com. And with that... Let's talk about your takeaways for this year, Tamara. The biggest thing I think I learned is that people are resilient, Mm. so resilient. And granted, we did talk to people who we knew were making it work at work. Um, But I, I still think I was amazed at, regardless of profession, that so many of our guests had in common, you know, just this sense of perseverance, this will to survive, this will to succeed, and to figure out very, very creative workarounds. And um, I had a couple of favorite workarounds Mm -hmm. that I wanted to share. So one of my favorite examples was in our retail episode, we spoke to Jeanette Goldstein, the owner of Jeanette Bras, who has a line of bra stores that has the tagline, the alphabet starts at D. Mm. And one of her core her core business model is to do in-person fittings and have exactly. a very small store with very high-end 
lingerie, and, and she wasn't able to do those in-person fittings. Um, and in fact, she wasn't even able to be open in California for a very long time. So she had talked about figuring out, you know, a way to sell goods, um, essential goods like food items. Um, but then fortunately she was able to open the in-person fittings were still very challenging. So she used zoom and was able to do these fittings over zoom, do curbside pickup, ship out to her customers and still give that personal service that was at the core of her business. Yeah. And I mean, this was like a very daunting challenge because not only did she have to figure out what does running an essential business mean? Yeah. (laughs) And then also at the same time, uh, pivoting to something that was allowed and then figuring out how to transition your your business model, your USP to to you know staying open and and as you said, going into this, this is uh, one of the core examples of uh, the the resiliency that we've witnessed over and over again this year. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really really impressive, and um, definitely give that episode a listen. She has lots of lots of interesting um, takeaways there. And yeah, another because, one. Oh, because it puts a face to the name, and I just want to point that out. I mean, this is not, for all intents and purposes, it's not the most groundbreaking story because we've heard that, obviously, on a on a larger scale, what this pandemic has done, it has propelled a lot of industries and a lot of businesses into the future, um, made them embrace digital solutions probably more than they had previously entertained. However, hearing the personal story and what it takes to figure out that process when you've run your business for 20 plus years, uh, what that takes in practice, that's really what we've heard in that episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really shines a spotlight on a, on the small business owner, because although yeah. she has several shops, she is a very small business owner. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's not a big box store who has lots of resources and is able to keep people on the payroll, it's um, it's a much more dire situation when it's just you and, and your few employees. I really like the episode where we talked to fitness pros because they brought up some things that I think aren't talked a lot, uh, talked about a lot, mm. which is about how small gyms, um, how are they doing and how are they, are they able to, to stay open? Because in most cases, they're not able to stay open. And how are they yeah. going to survive? Um, and look, they're, sure, there's the equinoxes and the, and the sports club and all those really big gyms. But I think the real worry are the smaller, the smaller gyms. Because again, that's our small business. That's our community. And, and, and it has been such a big trend over the last couple of years. I mean, really catering to different interests of people in terms of working out. I mean, that's what really, and we've heard that in that same episode, like why people now like working out, why they're staying more motivated is because these smaller gyms uh, provide unique and customized experiences that help people be more engaged with their routine and make healthier life choices. So faced with a pandemic, uh, keeping keeping that line of business open, I think... (laughs) Uh, is essential, no matter what everybody else says. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know for me, it it was essential Mm. and and still is. And I, and I just love the creativity because it was, um, it was Melinda Hughes who Mm -hmm. she was the, the only one on that panel that had a brick and mortar business, uh, with two shops in the LA area. And when all gyms closed, 
I think they've closed two or three times now and are currently right. closed. Um, she is able to remain open because she had a brilliant idea of partnering with a healthcare worker in order to keep her very essential business open. And I mm -hmm. think that's a really interesting lesson in innovation and also an interesting lesson in, you know, the fact that your fitness professionals that are taking care of you, you're taking class, that they're more than that, that they're really there for you and they're really help. They really care about you and which is what we heard from everybody. And that was really heartening to hear. Exactly. And um, you'll hear uh, from Melinda in a little bit later in this episode, uh, because she said about herself that she's not, you know, a traditional businesswoman, but she figured out how to run her business twice now, A, by, <laughs> by starting right? a strength shop, and B, by finding a workaround to make her business an essential one. So um, definitely a lot of great advice from her later on in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um And one of the other things that we learned that I think was a little bit surprising for both of us was the, the fact that people found opportunities to focus on their passion more fully and therefore they were able to take their businesses to the next level, um, which was surprising because I think what we're hearing most of all is people are just trying to hang on. But what we heard in this case was people actually succeeding more than they ever did before. And, and we heard that in fashion, we heard that in music. And that was really inspiring to me. Exactly. And uh, this is almost the perfect segue into hearing from these people again, from, from all of our wonderful panelists, because um, we have some unaired snippets. We do. Uh, where we asked everybody uh, about advice that they would give to professionals or, and especially young professionals who are interested in entering this profession uh, that they have. Um, and the single most uh, mentioned thing other than don't do it was <laughs> uh, that you got to have a passion for, for the thing that you want to do for the professional path that you're about to take. And, and, and that was a good reminder. Like you said, like hearing that passion was, the principal driver to get out of this pandemic. Yeah, well, so let's hear from our guests. Let's let's hear from a few people and, and hear what advice they have for us. Absolutely. And we've been incredibly blessed this year to have had a glimpse into various different industries. And so we're starting off with what our live event producers have to say in terms of advice for future generations. I think the best advice that I would give to somebody entering my industry is to... Um, let it ride and be solution oriented. <laughs> and, you know, the best advice I ever got was I was an intern um, at a music label when I was like 20 and this really old guy who had been around forever. And he was like this, the, the coolest guy in the room said to me, never, ever leave this building without asking somebody what they need and never walk into a room with a problem and not a solution. And that's the best advice I could probably give anybody in our industry is to just stay solution oriented, even if you have no clue when the problem presents itself, what that solution is, but always be thinking and communicating in a solution oriented way. Right. Johnny? 
Um, it's so funny. We do, we have interns on a lot of our shows. So we, I do this whole thing, <laughs> um, like I do this whole speech to them. And, but honestly, the be- best advice is like, it, it, it's, is to just really come with an open mind and, and a willingness to work hard. And one of the things I do with all the interns that come in is I make them carry a pad of paper and they all have to sit down and no one gets to not have a question. You got to like keep your ears open and just, you know, try to to pick you know if there's one term you didn't understand or one thing you didn't understand or why were they doing that like add those questions but i think the just have an open mind about the process and and work hard and um ask questions i mean those are the the best things once you get on on a on a set so yeah and jeremy you know i i I, first of all, I would say this is a terrible time to join this industry to anybody who wanted to join it right now. <laughs> first thing coming out of my mouth. But if, if they no, were, it's if real. They, we want that. <laughs> but if they were able to wait it out and, you know, and they, they were dead set on it, I think what I would tell them, I, I think one of the great things about our industry is you can, as long as you have talent, and when I say talent, I mean kind of what Melanie and Johnny were talking about, that you're willing to learn you're willing to be a go-getter, you're willing to do it. Those are the first and foremost. I can teach anybody any aspect that I need them to do. I cannot teach them to want to be teach to. I cannot teach them to want to learn. I can't teach them to want it. But you don't, this isn't an industry you necessarily need a college degree, for instance. There, you, can, you can jump into this industry with really no former knowledge of this industry and make a career out of it. And I think that's amazing because there's not a lot of places that you can do that without that formal education up front. And I think in this industry, you have that opportunity and there's so many different branches. You can, you know, you can be in logistics, you can be in technical, you can be in event management, you can be in, you know, any, any form or any aspect of it and, and work with really amazing clients and companies and work on really front edge technologies before anybody else even sees them. And I mean, where else can you do that? So I think really, if you want to do it, you can do it, but you have to want to do it. And I, I, I don't see any other way around. Yeah. And I think to jump on your point, like there's so many great mentors in this industry. The hardest part is finding this industry and knowing that it exists. And Absolutely. So there's, there's all these branches, all these jobs, you know, you can, you know, get on a set and you can, you know, I like what that guy's doing or what is that? And, but I think that's going to, that's the hardest part is like, you know, finding, <laughs> finding the, 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 the industry, finding a, you know, knowing that we exist. So it's absolutely, it's that. And also you have to be willing to be a bit of a vagabond. You're going to be doing a lot of traveling. There's highs and lows. And, and for certain people that works and for certain people, it doesn't. So you have to be one of those kind of people that's willing. To. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so for me, again, great advice and not just something that applies to live event producers, but the aspect of being solution oriented, as Melanie had said, and letting it ride, like, uh, d- it can be daunting. Like when, when you hear somebody say like, don't walk into a room with a problem. But I think what, what like a more of a tactical strategy would be remember, uh, whatever you encounter in your professional life, take a beat, take a breath and think you're an intelligent person, regardless of your career stage, you have ideas on how to solve it. And, and that being said for, for most professions, you're not, deciding the fate of a human's life so take it with a grain of salt take a step back smile laugh and 
relax because the solution to the problem will present itself. And also workshop with other people. Like you just need to have one idea. It can't be a bad idea, but you're starting a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and here's, I hate to say it, but Google it. You would be surprised. (laughs) I I have been consistently surprised about um, the number of people I I work with who are, um, you know, who are working under me who will come to me with a very basic question and Mm. You know, I just want to say, well, did you look it up? Yeah. <laughs> and I like that you said, take a breath and just think, think of something. Yeah. Just don't come in empty handed. Yeah. Exactly. And and what you just said, this ties into what Jeremy has said. Like, um, one of the ways that you can show that you're, that you're passionate about your job and that you're involved and that you're giving a damn <laughs> uh, <laughs> is by having done your research and having done like just a preliminary Google and really... Uh, come in with an idea. Uh, Tamara, you had talked to our photographers about um, what advice up-and-coming photographers could take from our panelists. So let's give it a listen. Finally, this is kind of a weird question to ask right now, but um, what advice would you give to someone who's interested in um, photography as a career? Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) copy that anything else (laughs) Um, I just think that it's important to um, if you're going to pursue photography you should take some classes and you should learn about photography Um, do not rely on photoshop and you know I I have to say I'm really proud of my lighting Um, I learned lighting um, as an assistant, I assisted some amazing photographers and I learned all about lighting. And now I'm really, I'm really good at mixing, um, different elements of lighting. And I am confident so that I can show someone an unretouched photo and get the sign off. And that's important when you're shooting, um, actors and people that are in front of the camera a lot. Um, they, so that's, so, so I would say like, definitely just learn what you're doing like study it take some classes um i don't know how those classes i'm sure those classes are on zoom now so um other thing i would say is learn how to do a photo shoot with less clicks um i think a lot of young shooters that only know how to shoot digital they're not used to self edit editing while they're shooting and so they're just like they end up with like 3,000, 6,000 shots and then they have to edit through there. Um, so I think if you want to learn how to shoot and be efficient, I think to give yourself a limit of like 35 frames, you know, but when you're shooting a person, especially in an environment, um, if you get the shot in 35 frames, then that's a good exercise to practice. Awesome. Um, Marnie. Yeah, I would say experiment. I mean, grab a a camera. It doesn't have to be the newest thing. It could be, you know, your uncle's old, whatever. Just start practicing, start experimenting. You can learn what works, what doesn't work, what the settings are like as you um, supplement your education, as Kate was saying. And I think also the biggest thing for me as as a photographer um, and as a business owner, really, and I I wish I learned this lesson when I was younger, I think networking is such a key component and it, I, 
I can't say it enough. I think it's huge. Um, and it, that that's across the board in a number of industries and a number of professions. But I think it's something, you know, I was an introvert. I didn't like to go to networking events. I didn't think that was like, I needed to do that. And then, you know, you, you get down the line and you realize how integral that is to, um, to doing your job. And uh, I would say start early, start often for anyone looking to, to get into the field. Matt, how about you? Kind of along the, um, along the same lines as uh, don't do it, which is uh, it isn't necessarily something you have to be paid to do. I think you can have a very exciting and fulfilling career as a photographer without it being your income. Uh, and I think that uh, just owning the latest and the greatest camera does not make you a great photographer. I think uh, you should take some time, obviously, to experiment, get out there and shoot, but also take some time to study some of the great photographers. Um, study great visual art, the great painters, um, study how music and fashion and culture all tie into one another and, and shape the world that we're in. Um, study how you can tell those stories visually. Um, and uh, it's not just about what is the trendy thing on Instagram, you know, with people jumping in the air and the, and the person with taking the hand and leading them into the horizon. It's, it's really not about the trends, it's about what stories you wanna tell. Um, and if you're lucky enough to get paid for it, just know that that it can change the whole story for you. Um, you can always take pictures no matter what. And I would say that about any arts career, um, whether it's performing arts or visual arts. And I think, I think this is great. I mean, obviously study your craft and this applies to some jobs more than others, but especially like where technical skill is involved, but also experiment, find your own style. And I think the the most surprising aspect uh, is it's not only about your skill level, but it's also about networking, right? Yes. Uh, that relates to every industry, especially right now, when everything is shutting down. Like, who are the people in your immediate network? Who can you reach out to? Who has a need for someone with your particular uh, skill set? Absolutely. And that's something that is important in every single profession and all the time. So that's something you should think about, not just during a pandemic or when things are down or when you lose your job or when you're looking for a new job, but you really need to think about developing those relationships throughout your career. And, um, and, and remember that the person who is working for you today may be the person who's hiring you in five years or 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it does happen. Yeah. Yes. Um, but on that note, it was also interesting to hear Matt talk about um, really being clear before you before you enter a profession. Like, be clear with yourself. Is this something that you want to do as a potential source of income? Is this really something that you want to do as a job? Um, is this your true passion? And and we've we've already talked about that. Uh, that is a good question to ask yourself, and sometimes it might be a little hard to identify that and we'll talk about that in a little bit but but going into our researchers and our medical community that we were able to interview as, as a third episode what was really great is that even in the more 
uh, academic area of research in medicine, the number one advice, as you'll hear now, is uh, find the thing that you're passionate about. So let's give it a listen. Uh, the first and most important thing um, is to just find a, a topic that, that you feel really passionate about, that you feel really intellectually stimulated by, where you feel like, you know, if you succeeded at what you're doing, you'd make a, a huge difference. Um, and it sounds like a real basic cliche thing to do, but um, it's it's important to think about and, and it isn't completely obvious. I think a lot of people, like junior scientists, um, they really look into what fields have the most funding, which is a very practical thing, right? Like, you know, can I, is it a lot easier to, to get a grant to do research if I'm working on cancer versus some rare disease? I think that's important too, but I think the most important thing is to find a topic that you feel really, really passionate about. Because that, at the end of the day, if you're really charged by the questions that you're you're asking and answering um, at work, that's what'll keep you coming to work every day, and 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 what will keep you fueled. So that that would be my first piece of advice. Or that keeps you working from home. <laughs> or, or that keeps you, that keeps keeps you working keeps you working from home. And and you know research um, is you know if you're really doing research, it's extremely competitive, and and you know it, it eats your life in a lot of ways. But so you want it to be eaten by something that you really um, enjoy. Um, that's important. Interesting. And Asha, how how about you? What advice would you give to young people interested in you know becoming nephrologists or doctors or work at a hospital? So I guess from a private practice standpoint, like my right. advice would be to keep the academic component part mm -hmm. of it because I think that that gets a little bit lost in private practice. You get into the day to day of seeing a lot of patients. Um, I think what I've had time to do with this COVID-19 is like to dedicate like an hour to, or hour and a half um, of kind of learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think like whatever field that you pick or whatever, and I think this is not just medicine, but any job that it should be something that you enjoy learning kind of to go along with what Satish said about passion, because I think that's what makes the field interesting as you keeping up to date in the knowledge, um, seeking the advice of, you know, other professionals in your field and kind of applying that in a day-to-day, -day. like that's, that's challenging and that, and stimulating rather than just kind of going through the motions. And I think that happens a lot in private practice. And um, for anybody going into private practice, I think that it's very important to keep that academic piece of it still, because that's what your training will be. And you should keep that as as part of your practice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again with the passion, continue to learn. Like, yeah. also two great two great things to keep in mind that no matter what your profession, no matter what your career is, like, there's always more to learn. Speaking of learning experiences, are. Uh, our fashion designers, all who are more on the startup side of things with their brands or who have very young brands, they obviously talked about uh, mistakes as a learning experience. So let's give that a listen. And, and what, what else the common denominator is here? I think that if you're going to come into the fashion industry at this point, I think that uh, it's really important for you to have patience with yourself and to really um, lean into mistakes as learning experiences. And also, um, you know, uh, 
putting people first is really important. Avery, Myra? Amen on the people first. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say um, definitely people first. Um, have a story, keep an open mind. Um, you know, mistakes are going to happen, but don't be so critical of yourself, especially in a, in a creative space. Like just doing things is, is the best way to learn something. Um, and specifically with fashion, I would say to do your research. Um, there's a ton of, ton of information out there, but it's going to take a lot of time to really know who's producing your items, where to get it from. And, and you really just got to lean into some uh, old school researching skills. Um, to add to that, I would say, uh, of course, do your research on uh, resources and how you plan to actually lay things out. And I would really say, you know, um, to, to trust yourself and trust your team and really be sincere with what you're trying to, um, to show people and to really work really, really hard. Like, yeah. oh yeah, like be prepared to work really, really, really hard, you know, from like 7 a.m. to 1 a.m. Because, um, you know, when you're, it's different when you're working from somebody for somebody else, you know, you work like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. But when you start working for yourself and um, it's your reputation, your brand's reputation. So you have to like really give it your all and um, yeah, just always represent your brand, you know, in a positive way all the time. Thank you so much. And Charles, what advice do you have for young designers or people who are otherwise interested in going into fashion? Um, I would say the main thing that, that I would say is just start. So many people try to figure everything out from the beginning, find the perfect supplier, find the, the perfect manufacturer. Um, but at the end of the day, if you don't start, that trial and error process never begins. And with me, I didn't have any type of fashion background. I had graphic design, web design background. I just dove in and found a manufacturer. I made my first tech pack. My first sample was horrible, <laughs> horrible. But time, me just being five years in, I've seen the progress that I've been able to make. So don't be afraid to put the time in and um, if really figure out if it's something that you're gonna be passionate about because your character is gonna be tested. You're going to go through times where you're not going to know where to go. And that perseverance and then that, that story and that passion behind the brand is really going to show through in those moments. Again, being passionate about what you do, about your viewpoint, about the aesthetic that you want to put out into the world. And the thing that we've already reflected on when we recorded this fourth episode of ours, just getting started, that resonated very much with, with both you and myself because we have been working on this podcast for for a minute before we published <laughs> the first episode yes. and it really I think took publishing the first couple of episodes to hone in on what this project is too so so that is great advice I think for any creative endeavor just just start <laughs> yeah or in any endeavor just start so uh speaking of realistic uh, speaking of endeavors uh <laughs> Uh, our next episode was uh, real estate. That was that was fun because as you'll hear now about the advice, this is kind of a little bit of a summary of all the pieces that we've heard, even though this is an industry that doesn't relate to anything <laughs> that we've so far covered, number one. And number two, uh, where we were also surprised at how good um, 
our brokers were doing during this pandemic. So let's give it a listen. Find a mentor and find an agent who has a business that is similar to the business that you would want and really work with that person and get to know how they do business, how they conduct business, Um, you know, intern for them, do whatever you need. We do actually have mentees and mentors at Keller Williams. Um, And I think it really helps if you're new in the business to attach yourself to an agent who does business the way that you're going to do it. And if you were to look at at Renato's marketing plan for the year and Carrie's marketing plan for the year in mind, you would see three very different plans, not because, not solely because of the markets that we're in, but because as agents, we are our brand. So the way that we build our business is in the way that um, we are most comfortable as people. So we're all lead generating, we're all building a database, but we're all doing those in ways that work the best for us and the ways that we've found resonate with not only our clients, but with the way that we like to do business. So if you were a new agent, I would say find someone that really do the work to find the agents that present themselves and have a brand that would be similar to yours and a business plan that would be similar to yours and mentor with, have that person be a mentor to you. Really, you know, be their assistant for a year and get to know because I think a lot of people come into this thinking they've watched some reality shows and that's what it's really like. Mm-hmm. And that is not. I see Carrie is, is agreeing with me on that. I'm sure Renato does too. Oh, We're yeah. not like all, you know, just going out there and, and, and yelling at each other on the phone, yeah. you know, and having extravagant lunches. We, we really do <laughs> all the time. And so you've got to really love it. I, I have to say it, you have to really love it. So you have to find somebody that's going to do it in the way that you want to and, and learn how they're being successful. Renata, what would you add to that? <laughs> or what advice do you have? What has proven? Yeah, no, well my, my advice to someone thinking about getting into the industry is that it really has to come from your heart, this mm. business. Um, you know, you're, forget about like all, all the hours you're working and all the weird hours you're working. But to do all that, you have to really love it. And you know, sure, everyone wants to make money, right? We, we, but that feeling when, let's say, your college roommate buys his first home with his new wife and then they have a baby and they can grow into that home or, or your, um, you know, your, your mom's friend who needs to sell her home and downsize because her husband passed away. It's, it's that, to me, it's that emotional connection that, that really makes the, the business great. So if you love it that much and it comes from your heart, I think, it, the transactions just kind of come naturally. Um, and if not, you just need to know how to grind and be systematic and, and just do A, B, C, D every day, whether you love it or not. And that's not the kind of business I would want anyone to be in. I work with a lot of new agents and my advice is always um, to plug in, to get educated Um, right now I'm telling them all the time that it is probably easier for them at the moment because they're, you're not teaching an old dog, new tricks. So they're coming in and a market that is in, (laughs) I mean, it's just nuts. You know, we don't know what's going to happen today, tomorrow, the next day, following week, um, to get educated, figure out what it is that you want to do, figure out something that feeds to your heart just like they were both saying something that feeds to your heart. You know, for us, we do the heroes 
because I'm the only one in my entire family that does not have a hero position. And so I figure that's my way to give back to all of them. I've got police officers, teachers, military, everybody in my family. And then there's me, the real estate agent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so feed, find something that feeds to your heart. If there's a certain area of town, if there's a certain place that you love, if it's to your community, if it's, you know, whatever it is, find that, grow off of that, um, understand and be flexible because I know it looks really pretty and we don't have the elaborate lunches um, unless you think of Chick-fil-A in their backseat as an elaborate, wonderful lunch because um, that's what I do most days. And um, don't tell my husband. But anyway, so <laughs> there's, you know, that's what, that's what our lunches really look like. And you're up until 10 o'clock at night trying to write up an offer. And then you're up the following morning on Saturday morning at 8 a.m., and you're out showing houses because that's the only time that this person has to show. Um, you know, so go into it with the right mindset, find something that your heart will follow and plug in, educate yourself and work your tail end off. If you do those, those things, I mean, that's, that's what it is for almost any industry, but if you do those things, you will become successful. Yeah. Yeah. Successful. Yeah, so so what we're hearing here was the same thing that we heard with like with the event producers and also, uh, with uh, w- which we will hear in a bit, finding a mentor and and somebody who who works the way and who 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 understands their own brand like, the same way that you do, I think that's some great piece of advice, especially in terms of, um, this the the, the this thing that Sabine mentioned lead generation or sales like there's not just one way of doing it it has to be specific to how you engage with other people how you communicate how you interact with other people like and and um and now we're also getting into the territory of where you as a person in certain industries you are your brand in fashion as a designer you're a brand in real estate you are a brand so you need to not just be good at the core skills and not just be a subject matter aspect in your job but you also need to branch out and become good at other things like marketing branding lead generation whatever it is absolutely but i think here here the the aspect of becoming like your authentic self that i think is really interesting um but also carrie talked about the love for it and having the passion like she said something that feeds to your heart and now, this is like the fifth episode where we've heard somebody say, like, you've got to be passionate about it. And I personally, as a person, have um, struggled with finding things that I'm passionate about. And I know it can be it can be hard sometimes to get to that point. So the way that I would piggyback off that is uh, a different way of looking at it is, is trying to find the meaning in what you do. Um, meaning that you need to find a way in your day-to-day activities to find that meaningful bit that relates to a larger context of your life uh, that motivates you. I think this is great in terms of motivation because even if you have the best job in the world, often the lovable aspects of your job are quantitatively often outweighed by the more boring bits, <laughs> like admin or whatever it is, or sometimes the generation or whatever. If that's that's not your jam, then that's a problem. Or some of the more repetitive ta- tasks. Like, I, I really love my job, but there are definitely portions in there that I don't love. And so thinking about your job, about just, oh, this is my passion, this is the thing that I love, This I, 
in my mind, is not always the best motivator. I know yeah. it works for some people, and clearly for a lot of the people that we've interviewed, that's a great motivator. But, um, but for me, the best motivator has always been like, how is the thing that I'm doing today meaningful to the overall job, the overall task that I'm accomplishing? How yeah. does it further my and the mission of other people? And that's that's a great motivator. Um, I yeah I. I agree with you, Pavel, on the the passion side. And another another thing, and I don't remember where I heard this, but I really love this thought, is that your job doesn't actually have to be your main passion. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think there are ways you can really find meaning, as you've said, and find passion in what you're doing. But your passion could be playing poker or crochet, but having a job allows you to have a home and eat <laughs> and take care of your family and feed whatever your passion is. So I think there is value in doing whatever it is you're doing well and as it's right. your highest ability, whether or not it is your, your passion, as it were. That is true. And I mean, the thing is, all of the people we've interviewed said, whatever it is, you got to work hard. Like that bit never goes away, so it never uh, goes away. <laughs> exactly, and and um, I think that's that's a thing to keep in mind. And in order to work hard, uh, you need to stay motivated, and it is hard to stay motivated. And this, I think, is a perfect bridge to to our fitness episode. So let's give that a listen. What advice would you give to somebody interested in in doing your job or entering your profession? Let's just do a quick round robin. Lacey, let's start with you. Don't do it. Just kidding. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times we've heard that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, advice. I think uh, great advice would be kind of to have a mentor or to work at a studio that is established. I started my career at Equinox and I'm so grateful that I did because I learned so much from, from the trainers that have been there for a while. Great education um, great experience, great intro into awesome clientele, learned that fitness, you can be really smart. This is one thing you can be really smart at what you do. You can have a great personality, but if you don't have marketing skills behind it and you don't have sales, you're not going to make it in this industry. So if you don't want to be a little salesy at what you do, you're in trouble. So I think even take a marketing course in term, if you want to be super successful, in the fitness industry. Jazzy. Uh, I would say explore different areas of fitness and find where you feel like you enjoy it, but you really excel at instructing and teaching it. So you don't burn yourself out. Uh, you got to find your, not just one particular niche. Maybe there's multiple things that you're really good at. You're, you're continuing continuously growing and learning on, but don't get stuck on just one area at first, you know, try to be well-rounded and then explore your options and see how you can take those different things and, you know, cultivate something that now this is a personalized experience that I could give to someone else, you know, and keep learning, keep learning too. Cause there's, you know, different, there's definitely been programs I put myself through that I probably wouldn't continue to do it, but I do it so I know what it's like. If I wanted to, then I could go into that area. But, you know, just keep learning and keep experiencing things. 
Yeah. So you can have a better service for the people that you are working with, because clearly we're all very, very invested in the people that we work with and what we're able to give them and provide them. So that would be my my little bit of advice. Hmm. And Melinda, I mean, obviously you as a studio owner, as a business owner, somebody who has just transformed your business. So um, what's your advice <laughs> for, you know, future um... entrepreneurs? <laughs> You know, I, uh, I didn't go to school for business. I had no previous business experience. And the biggest advice I could give someone who wants to build their own personal training business or wants to own a studio or really any type of entrepreneur would be don't be afraid of failure. Because if it's something that you really want to do, if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's just who you are and you just want to do it, what others perceive as failure is just a moment of oops how do we fix this and that's what being a i mean that's what being an entrepreneur is about it's like just putting out fires just fixing issues like constantly so when you reach a point where you've made a mistake or something's gone wrong it's never a failure it's an opportunity to grow it's an opportunity to evolve it's an opportunity to become stronger like we we say at the string shop and there is no there's no actual failure that lasting failure i guess you say right but here again it's what we've heard so far have a mentor get a glimpse into the industry talk to people about what this really is uh start out as a generalist get as much input about that profession as you can and then find your niche then specialize but also on top of all that specializing don't forget all the peripheral tasks and that you need to do and accomplish and the skills you need to develop like again the branding the marketing yourself the lead generation and i think especially this year has shown us there there is everybody who 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 performs a job is not just that job but they're also representing themselves as a brand and you need to find a way to communicate the things that you do best. Absolutely. And I couldn't, I could not agree with that more. And I just think in my own career, how I have done so many different jobs mm -hmm. in the realm of live event production. And each one of them has made me better at the job that I do now as an yeah. overall producer. So I think the more you learn, the better. And, um, and it really allows you to find that thing that you like the best about your job and to focus on that. And if this is like the third or fourth episode where we have uh, put a special emphasis on how important it is for yourself to brand yourself and to put yourself out there, um, we'll be back next year uh, and in the new year with our very first episode uh, where we have interviewed a couple of HR experts and recruiting specialists who have very practical and tangible insights as to how you can stand out in this current job market. Um, so we'll be excited to share this with you top of next year. Yes, we're very excited to share it with you. <laughs> and, um, and, and what could be better to start the new year than with some new tools on how you can find that perfect job for you whether it's now or in the future 
And with that, we would very much appreciate it if you would give us a five-star rating, if you give us a review. Um, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at affectedbypod. You can also email us at affectedbypod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, and tell us why your career should be highlighted on Affected By in 2021. Exactly. You're always welcome to be one of our panelists. Um, but to hold you over uh, until our next episode, Tamara, what can people listen to in the meantime? Okay, so I put together a few podcasts that I like to listen to. Um, all of these podcasts are focused on how to have a better career, how to have a better life. So um, the first one I'm going to tell you about is called The 5 a.m. Miracle with Jeff Sanders. You do not have to get up or want to get up (laughs) at 5 a.m. to listen. (laughs) Um, He has great guests. They talk about productivity. And the host himself is a self-described productivity junkie. And who doesn't need or want a little bit more productivity in their life? I do. Still do. <laughs> I do. That's why I listen. Um, the next the next one is actually a twofer. There's Happier with Gretchen Rubin and mm-hmm. Happier in Hollywood. And both of these podcasts um, give you tips and tricks and hacks about how to be happier in your everyday life, which very often includes your work life. Um, the next one I have is aspirational because I have subscribed, but I have not yet listened. And it is called How's Work with renowned psychotherapist Esther Perel. And um, so that one I'm very excited to listen to. And if you have listened to it, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. And then the last one is Radical Candor. With, oh, I've heard Have that you one. heard of that one? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's really good. It's, it's basically, it's about how to kick ass at work without losing your humanity. And they talk about hard subjects, how to have hard conversations and how to have a, a better work life. And those are my picks for, for, um, for work podcasts or work related podcasts. I'm going to just throw in one more that is not about work, but <laughs> I am a true crime junkie and I love, um, true crime podcast, but the one I'm going to tell you about is called Scam Goddess with Lacey, Lacey Mosley, who's a comedian. It is hilarious, um, and it's kind of, you know, light crime, so it doesn't go too much into murder or anything scary or gory, um, but if you do want to know any of those, you can hit me up on Twitter, and I will give you all my true crime recommendations. I, I, I want to know the definition of light crime. Like, <laughs> you know, like scams and cons. That's light yeah. crime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Let's see how next year turns out and if we have to resort to that. Um, <laughs> with that being said, uh, thank you very much. Have a happy new year. Take care of yourself. And we can't wait to welcome you in the new year. See you in 2021. Bye.